was Wednesday, August the 18th. Welcome to episode 48, live from my drum room with the great Joe Vitale. Uh, been really looking forward to this. I, I know I look forward to all of them, but uh, I started reading Joe's book again. He sent me this book a few years ago, and uh, I thought I'd brush up on it a little bit and, and uh, you know, sort of highlight a few stories from it. It's a fantastic book. It's called Backstage Pass. Uh, Joe's wife, Susie, actually wrote the book. But it's it's about Joe's incredible career, obviously spanning, you know, fifty some odd years. Uh, his early days as a you know, as a as a drummer in Ohio to all the gigs he's had with uh, Joe Walsh and Peter Frampton and Crosby, Stills and Nash and you know a million people. It's he's got one of the most incredible, prolific careers uh, of of any drummer out there. And uh, what a fine, fine drummer. What a, what a great guy, too. So I'm excited to have Joe here today. And uh, Maddie Roberts, it's good to see you watching. Uh, Maddie, by the way, if you don't know who Maddie Roberts is, Maddie Roberts is, he has a great show of his own uh, percussion discussion. I hope I've said that right, Maddie. Apologies if I didn't, but uh, I encourage everybody to check out what he has. It's fantastic. Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. A couple of quick updates and then i'm going to bring joe on i wanted to get right on time here today start this on time today um uploaded just this week a couple of days ago uh some more episodes onto my uh apple podcast and spotify podcast sorry i should say converted some of my youtube shows over to podcasts that's what i'm trying to say so check those out download them if you prefer podcasts over watching these on YouTube, then uh, that's the answer to all your prayers right there. You can, you can download, I think I've got about 20 or 20 something of the 47 existing shows now are, are on available as podcasts and more on the way, obviously. Uh, thanks to everybody who's subscribed to my YouTube channel and, and uh, appreciate that. Please keep that up. And uh, that's really about it. Let's see. Um, we're going to talk about this book, Backstage Pass. I mentioned it. It is available. Maybe uh, Joe can tell us where we can buy it, where you can buy it. Um, that's really about all I have. I, I don't have a, a next confirmed guest as of yet, but uh, stay tuned for that. We've got some great guys and gals in the pipeline for the future. So, um, yeah, I think that's all the housekeeping I have for the moment. Well, some people join the show. And again, thanks to everybody watching at home. I appreciate it. I think I'm going to uh, get this show on the road and welcome the great Joe Vitale, live from my drum room. There we go. There we go. There. All right. I had, to, I had to click on got it. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Good to see you, Joe. Hey, John. Good to be here, man. Thanks for being here, buddy. I, I you know, I was just kind of talking about the book a little bit, just saying, you know, we'll talk about this as we go today. And, and uh, at some point, I, if I forget, please, um, or maybe you can even say now where people can buy this. Is there a, a website where they could buy this? Yes. Book um, it's actually my website. It's the best deal in town. It, there's a lot of places to buy them, but they're, 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 they're too much 
on those sites. Go to my sites. It's the best deal, and we sign them and everything. So my website is www.jovitaliondrums.com. Great. Okay. And we, uh, we, we, we sell the books there signed and we also throw in some CDs for free. Oh man. Fantastic. Yeah. It's a good deal. It's a good deal. Better. Amazon won't do that. No, they won't. No, <laughs> you don't get no, free anything. <clears throat> Not even shipping. <laughs> that's right. Well, that's good. You know, and at the end of this, I'll make sure I I'll, I'll, I'll find your website and I'll, I'll paste the link. Okay. Thanks. The, uh, Appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. Thank you. Thank you for doing this, man. I, I, again, I, 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 I'm going to geek out a lot today because I just, I love your playing so much. And, and even though I don't know you well, I feel like I know you, I've known you forever because of your, all of mutual friends we have and, and your playing and your personality, the way it comes through the music is it's, it's beautiful. Well, I appreciate that. And, and I, and I, I think I kind of know you too, and we've only run into each other a few times, but you know, Facebook has really helped a lot, you know, with getting to know people and you, you know, you read their comments and you see where they're at and different things they're involved with and doing and all that. And I'm so glad to be here with you today. Cause I've been watching these podcasts are great that you do. And uh, I've learned a lot from all the drummers and um, it's just really enjoyable and um, uh, glad to be here, man. Thank you. Thank you. I, I was thinking about that and I was thinking about how you wouldn't remember this. The first time I met you in person and it's, it's, you talk about that, the, that particular tour, this particular tour in the book was the Glenn Fry, uh, Joe Walsh tour in 93 right. in, in Boston at a place called great woods. And, uh, my friend, Marty Farah, our friend, mutual friend, Marty, Marty, Farrah, sure. Yeah. With Glenn and, and I remember coming out and I knew who you were and I was excited and he, he introduced me to you and, and you were really nice. You were, I just remember you being really kind of laid back and, uh, you know, not that I expected anything different, but you were, you know, Hey, nice to meet you, you know, and, and, uh, and you, you played great drums that night and you played great keyboards as well. I remember on that. Right. Uh, yeah. That, I, I did several things on that. It's called job security, John. <laughs> <laughs> Can you play this? Sure. When I was in high school, I all I wanted after seeing the Beatles, all I wanted to do was be in a rock and roll band. I mean, that's all I wanted to do. And there's a rock and roll band at my high school, and we just saw the Beatles. I'm crazy about rock and roll. Anyway, short, long story short, um, so the band needed a player, right? And uh, the, the the guy that was the leader, his brother was the drummer. So I thought, oh man, but they needed a bass player. So they said, do you play bass? I never had a bass in my hand, right? And they said, do you play bass? I said, yeah, I play bass. <laughs> because there's no way I wasn't going to be in a rock and roll band, you know? And uh, and so um, my brother uh, was a fantastic bass player, actually. And so I asked him to show me a few things, and he, and he was laughing at me. Cause, You're not going to play bass, are you, right? <laughs> I said, yeah, I'm going to play bass, but... Um, um, uh, no, I never be. I, I never wanted to be. A, there's too many fabulous bass players out in the world. But um, uh, jobs. I, I play keyboards because I write a lot, and my father was a keyboard player, and so yeah. um, he he insisted that you you play the drums, but he insisted on learning piano, and God bless him for it. And um, I, I I write a lot, so and and um, um, so I, I play a lot of keyboards, and you know, I mean, you you just you know, it's it's 
more it's become more than a hobby it used to be a hobby but now i, I really get into it I, I really have fun playing them that's great man well I, god bless your dad too for um you know we need that as kids because like you say you, you just you wanted to be in the beatles we all just wanted to play drums as kids and your dad pointed you down a road that really you know paid you back in big dividends down you know later on obviously and you know, getting the fundamentals of, of reading music and, and all the things that you did young at, at a young age, really. It's really helpful. Yeah. It's really helpful because even when you're in the studio, uh, even if you know a little bit about, you know, chord structure and keys and different things, it's really helpful when when the musicians, the keyboard player, the guitar player, whoever, is are discussing that sort of stuff because you kind of don't feel left out in the dark. You know, you kind of know what they're talking about. And uh, and uh, it, the more confident you, confident you get in that, you may even dare to make some suggestions musically. They don't want to hear from the drummer, you know. <laughs> right. You don't know anything about chords. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, um, uh, no, my father, God bless him, he uh, he really pushed that on me. He he said, no, 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 you play the drums, you know, and uh, and you that's your instrument, but. You should learn keys, and and, and to this day, I, I'm so thankful for that. Yeah, and and so from there, uh, you know, I know you play flute, also. Um, it's just it's something you picked up. Just just a, picked it. I loved I loved traffic, and I loved uh, Jethro Tull, yeah. and uh, I, I never wanted. To, I didn't, you know, uh, you know, even think I was going to play. I just. I wanted to pick it up and fool with it because I, I just loved it. And I learned enough to play a few things, but, you know, that's really not my axe. You know, I can play a little bit, but yeah, I'm nowhere near a flute player. Well, I, I, I'll bet you that's you being a humble guy that you are. But I, but obviously you've 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 rec you know, you've made records where you've played flute or you've, yeah. you've played. Yeah. So I did. There's, but yeah. but, you know, it was you know, there's a there's a narrow window that I can play flute in. You know? <laughs> and if you hit, get the right key and the right, this and that and the other, I'm good, you know, but outside that window, no. <laughs> well, that's cool. I, you know, and I, I was thinking, um, I first became aware of your playing. We all did. All of us that are, you know, old enough to know, remember Rocky mountain way, which is almost 50 years ago. You recorded that. Was it 70, 73, 73. 73. Yeah, man amazing and and i'm not just saying this joe but looking at you i, I look at you and it's, it seems impossible that you could have made a record 50 years ago <laughs> well it's, it's, a, it's well, an italian i word. guess but i'll tell you what i can't believe how time is you know it just flew right by but we're all you know there's a lot of guys that were making records in the 70s that are man they're still out there they're still making records i mean sure. there's so many uh um guys out there that, that you know like I mean, look at uh, Ringo, she's and know. he's fabulous live, right? Uh, Crosby just turned eighty. Um, I mean, there's so many out there, um, and um, uh, I guess yeah. if yeah. you if your health allows it, uh, uh, and you 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 have the energy and and still the love to do it, why not? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree. I I. I but 50 years is a long time to think about. <laughs> it is. I mean, when you, when you stop and think about that song and, and, and how, you know, to me, that was, that song was such a unique 
different song, uh, you know, from anything that I remember at that time. There's some great music being made at that time. Uh, but, you know, reading the book and, and, and reading how that all came together and how you, it's so cool that you all got a, all the whole band got a co-writing credit as well, which I yeah. thought was really, really cool. That's Yeah, it, uh, it was actually meant to be a, um, not a throwaway, because Joe Walsh never did any throwaways, but it was kind of a, a last song. Uh, and Joe, uh, long story short, when, when Dwayne, Joe loved Dwayne Allman, his slide playing on it. And uh, Joe fooled around with slide a little bit, but when Dwayne died, he really picked it up and, and really wanted to be the next slide player, you know, in honor of Dwayne, actually. And he got real good real fast because he's a great guitar player. He got really good real fast because I've heard slide at, at beginning. It's it's a little rough and it takes a while to learn that. But he got it real good. And so our producer, Bill Simzik, for that record, he said, you know, um, Joe, you're, you're getting pretty good on that slide. Why don't we do a song with slide, that features slide guitar? I said, heck, yeah, let's do that. And uh, I mean, I'm not a guitar player, but but what could be better than what would be better than to feature sly guitar than a slow blues in E. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so yeah. uh, that's what Rocky Mountain Way was. And it was, like I said, it wasn't a throwaway. It was just a, a last idea, a last minute idea that we came up with. And, um, and here it turns out to be Joe's flagship song. It's amazing. <laughs> you you right? know, yeah. the rock and roll is like that though. Don't ever, you know, outrule anything or, you know, and, and things that you count on may not ever happen. Things that just come overnight. It, it, yeah. It's amazing. This I love this business because of that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I've, and I've heard that same uh, thing about other, other bands, uh, big hits. I, I almost want to say, speaking of the Almond brothers, I feel like um, rambling man was a sort of last minute song that Dickie Betts had written and, and kind of didn't want to even show the band because he didn't think they'd dig it. Right. Or something along those lines, and it ended up being I one of their biggest hits. I know, biggest hits. Isn't that funny? And and uh, but yeah, I mean, and it, it's interesting. I read that what you said in the book about how I guess I just as a kid always assumed that Joe was a slide player because he's. I I, I think of him first in so many recordings as being a slide player. You know, right, right. And as you say, he he. I guess he got so good so fast that he embraced it and you know that some of his fun today he's one of the world's best slide players one of the best yeah. in the world and um like i say he um he 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 picked it up and not only did he pick, he got really good fast but he got really mature fast yeah. in other words to be good with chops that's one thing but to play like a matured like a, an old timer that's been playing slide he picked that he was there like within a couple of years he was already like you know well seasoned you know and um so uh yeah that and that song being just a, it was a just a groove monster song it was just so fun to play that song a lot of people don't know because there's no reason they would know it was never documented but that song the rock my way that was take one the record that you hear to this day that was the first take we counted off and 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 it just it, that was it we got through the end of it Simzik Bill Simzik our producers we knew we nailed it cuz it felt good right yeah, you always yeah. you kind of know when you when you, when it's almost there or when you nailed it or when it sucked you know so <laughs> um and we knew we we were like yeah we got off the you know we 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 
we took our phones off and Bill's Bill's in the control room, jumping up and down like an idiot and going, man, that was great. Yeah, it was take one. And it, to this day, it, it still feels good to, to listen to oh, it. You know, what a great I had no idea. I, I don't know if that was in the book or not. And no, was, I mean, it, it's you know, that's. You know, so, I don't know. I, I guess it's kind of cool. I mean, nothing to really brag about or talk about. You know, there's a lot of songs that are take ones, you know, yeah. and um, and then there's a lot that, you know, take a week. You know, so, sure. Yeah. You know, yeah. when you can get them, get them, you know, so. That's that's awesome. Well, you know, that's one of those songs that me being in a garage band with my my bandmates when I was a teenager. Uh, I don't know that we ever actually learned it, learned it, but I, I feel like whenever we would get together, like either warming up before rehearsal or at a gig even for a sound check we just start playing that because it's it's got that infectious contagious groove like you say and it's it's that slow blues uh that just feels so good to play for yeah and you know what yeah it's not a hard song so the bands uh, whether they're on a big stage or a club band anybody can sound good on that song it's an it's not hard (laughs) And and that's cool. It's really cool. And um, a lot of bands play that song. And um, because you, no matter what level you're at, you can sound good on that song. So, yeah, you know, it's just yeah. one of those songs that um, uh, it's not like, it's not like a song by yes, you know, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's pretty cool. Uh, it's yeah. very easy. And uh, all it's, it's all about the pocket. That's all that the, yeah. the plan, the, the, the stuff you're doing is, very simple stuff, but it's all about the pocket. But a lot of bands play that song. Well, your plan is is everything you do is about the pocket, right? You know, that's the most important, I guess. You know, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. why they hired us, I guess. I was just going to say. I mean, I, I any drummers at home watching this, you know, there, there's the lesson from all this is, you know, you don't get the gig with Joe Walsh or Peter Frampton or Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young or Crosby, Stills, Nash. Dan Fogelberg, any of these bands, unless you can play a pocket. And, uh, and that's what, you know, you're, you're, that's what always moves me about whenever I hear you play is it's just so, so beautiful. Well, you, 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 it takes some time, sometimes when somebody throws a song at you to find their pocket, find where they want the pocket at, you know, every drummer hears it differently and plays. I guess what you have to do is you have to, What's most important is before you choose the pocket you're going to play, you have to figure out what their pocket is, where they're hearing it and feeling it, you know, because like Stephen Stills is is a certain pocket, but man, Neil Young is a whole nother pocket. That's way laid back. And then, and then, then then Walsh is a whole nother world, you know? So in other words, you know, the same guy, like you were, you had a, you know, your podcast with, with, with Chad, he, he, he's, He's exactly the same, the guy that I'm talking about. In other words, he fits in with all these guys and he's got a certain pocket, which is great. But he also, he hears what their pocket is first. Where are you hearing this song? Where are you feeling this song? And then you apply yourself to it. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes you can do something that might change their mind and they may uh, adhere to what you're doing too. You know, so, but I think mostly like when Joe, Walsh shows me a song and I have to listen to him play it. Just play it, sit there and play it for me once, play a couple of verses or something. Let me, and then I hear where he's at with it. And then, okay. Uh, then we try a few things, you know, <clears throat> but I think okay. first, most important for drummers is, 
especially like in recording, uh, is if you're recording with somebody, especially if they're somebody new you've never recorded with, to listen to them play the song or listen to the demo, find out what's their pocket, and then try to grab that and and make it better, make it cooler, or or do something different. Or if they're cool with what they did, then do do that, you know. But um, yeah, because um, nice. every drummer can't play with the same with every artist, you know. It, yeah. it just yeah. it doesn't work. And um, um, I just learned that through the years. That's that's you know I I don't know that I've ever heard anybody really explain it like that, but it makes perfect sense. You're right. I mean you. You you really can't adapt the same way with right three or four or five different people. So right the so way the, right the way yeah. I play with Joe Walsh, I never played that way with Crosby, Stills and Nash. It was still me playing, but I had to find that that you know Stephen's got this cool Latin rock groove that he's yeah. so good at, and you got to find that pocket, and then you gel together, then you fit together, but. Um, it's all it's challenging it's always fun though it's good yeah man so did you get to a point joe where it almost it it almost uh excuse me it was like a natural like you didn't have to think about it so much like you from playing with joe or playing with steven or or david or neil that um once you sort of got in the room with them you you remembered like almost like your muscle memory kicked into like okay i know neil's looking for this more laid back thing and, and it's you just almost yeah, happens naturally. Pretty much, you yeah. kind of know what to expect, and also, like I say, when you when you listen to them, it, it it brings back. Oh, right, this guy is way behind the beat, or this guy's edgy, or you know, and and um, uh, you have to you have to play like that, or or you you just will not lock, you know, yeah. and uh, you can't play the way you play with Neil Young, you cannot play with, with someone like Joe like that. I mean, Joe's laid back, but Neil's more laid back, you know? So, yeah. 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 And um, you have to uh, uh, apply that, you know, that, that find their groove and, and get there, you know, get with it, you know? Yeah. And, and, and that, that speaking of that, and you did, there was, I know there was uh, a period where you played drums on your own with the Eagles, but you did, some double drums with Don Henley as well. Was there? A, yes. A, yeah. Um, yeah. When I played with the Eagles, um, uh, I played a lot of the fills. I mean, we double drummed. And then yeah, uh, when, yeah. when, during, when, when, when Don was singing, I would take over some of the fills because that's really difficult. I don't care who you are. It's yeah. really difficult. Now he's really good at it. You know, but he just wanted to not even worry about that, you know, and then he wanted to go out front a lot more and play acoustic and sing. And and so and and that was way back. And and since then, now the Eagles have always used somebody, you know, an extra guy, you know, because to play percussion or when Don goes out front, then they play drums. And so I was the first one who did that with them. And uh, it really worked out well. It freed up Don a lot. And also they got me in the band because Joe Walsh had just joined the band and they were doing a bunch of Joe's stuff. They were doing Funk 49. They were doing Rocky Mountain Way. Life's been good uh, all night long. A lot of Joe's stuff and turned to stone. And um, and so uh, I I played drums on all that stuff. So they got me in there to do this. So and, and Don played along with me, too. It was fun. We had a ball. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I think of Don as being a guy that plays pretty 
pretty laid back, pretty behind the beat. Would you say? Yeah, is he, yeah, he yeah. he's he's a little behind the beat, perfectly behind the beat. He plays so yeah. good, beautiful. And then yeah. he's to sing like that and play. I mean, guy's remarkable. Yeah, I, he I really agree. is. I, I, I'm a, I, I you know I, I've talking about maturing. I, I think I at some point matured to really appreciate his drumming. I. I I liked it as a kid, you know, just because I loved the band so much. But and the songs and the songs, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then later on, I went, man, there's so much more. My friend Stan Lynch, I don't know if you know Stan. Sure, I know Stan. Yeah, you know Stan. Yeah, he, yeah. You know, we talk a lot about Don's drumming and and just kind of how sort of underrated he is as a drummer, you know, and maybe underappreciated is another word that. Uh, there's just there's so much soul that goes into what he does that uh, I think right I mean like playing hotel when I was playing Hotel California like that that you know part that he that you know the, the the pattern he plays it's 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 not hard but it's it, you have to think about it you know and you have to yeah. uh, you know keep that pocket going and 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 I you know I wasn't a that hard but but you have to concentrate on what you're doing and then to yeah. to add singing onto that i can't even imagine you know he makes it look real easy and it sound like like oh this is a piece of cake it's not a piece of cake it's very difficult to do that and um but he's so good at it he he um i learned a lot watching him play and um and listening to him and he always played the right stuff you know and i mean i had to learn a lot of his fills and stuff and i and i when you do that you really appreciate uh, a drummer when you when you have to duplicate some of his stuff sure yeah and 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 speaking of that one of the funniest things i read in the book was the story of you being on tour with the eagles and the uh those shoes drum oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> maybe you could tell that story well i don't know what city it was but it was a great big place and we're playing and and there's a song called those shoes it's on the long run album and it's funky, da 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 right? It's really cool, great song. Anyway, Don Felder, Joe Walsh have dual talk box solos in that song. It's just killer. It's really cool. And and it gets just crazy, and the solos are great, and it's jamming and all that. And, and I'm staying locked into the groove and all that. And at the end of the talk box solo, I was so inspired <laughs> that I played a and the guys turned around and went, yeah, they didn't hear that before. Right. And just because I was we were feeling it. Right. You know, and we yeah. go for it, you know. I mean, yeah, sure. That's what you kind of think you should do anyway. And so and I didn't nobody thought of it. It didn't matter. We, and then we ended the song yeah, 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 when we finished the show and we go back to the hotel. And um, uh, about an hour after I got back to the hotel, my phone rings in my room, and, and it's Henley. And <laughs> he never called me on the phone, right? So <laughs> he go, he calls me Joe Bob because he's from Texas, and he, he labeled me as Joe Bob. And I think it's because then when he'd go, Joe Bob, Joe Walsh didn't turn around. He, you know, oh, anyway, yeah, yeah. so he said, Joe Bob, he says, come up to my room. I went, okay. Uh, and and I, he never did that, right? So I go up to his room and uh, I knock on his door and um, he he opens the door and the chain's still on the door, you know, just that kind of a thing. Opens the door, chain's still on the door. And um, he looks at me and he goes, uh, hey, uh, you know that drum fill coming out of uh, the solos in those shoes? Because, listen, the guy knows 
every measure of every song of every show he listens he's so you know concentrated and and focused you know anyway so i'm thinking oh man he's gonna compliment me how cool is this don <laughs> so he goes you know that drum bill coming out of that uh, i said yeah he goes he looked at me like this he goes don't do that <laughs> and then he, he says have a good night and he shuts the door and i'm like oh god i'm crushed so that that's not even half of it. So the next day we're in another show. We got another show and we're getting ready for sound check. Glenn Fry, God bless him, rest his soul. Glenn Fry comes over to me and he pulls out a hundred dollar bill. He said, here, and he said, play that fill again. <laughs> I, said, <laughs> I said, there's not enough zeros on that bill to, for me to play that <laughs> but you know that's that's all fun on the road stuff you know oh, but man. i'll tell you what I, uh i i never i never felt so stupid in my life you know here i'm thinking wow don henley's gonna come no wrong <laughs> <laughs> there are so many funny stories in the book like that that it's it's i was laughing i'm sitting outside I mentioned I have my grandkids here and I'm the last few days I've just been kind of thumbing through and I'm just laughing out loud at that story, at the story about um, hiring the string section and, and the joke you played on David. Oh um, yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> there's just, tons of stories. There's a lot of stories. Yeah. People, you know, we, we won't take a lot of time to do this today, but it's just no, they, get, get the book. They're all in yeah. the book. <laughs> it's all in the book. Right. Exactly. Get the book. Cause there's, it's, it, it really just, besides all the great stories and information, there's so many funny things. And that's why, I mean, I, I, I love a good practical joke and you are a born practical <laughs> joker. <laughs> we did a lot of silly stuff, man. <laughs> We never, we never really broke the law. I don't think because we never went to jail, but no. um, uh, we we had fun. We had fun. That's great. It's there's so much great stuff. By the way, our friend Stanley Sheldon, who you mentioned a lot in the book, is watching and he says hello. I love Stanley. Stanley got me the job with Peter Frampton. Yeah, yeah. And and God bless him. And I've known Stanley since the barnstorm joe walsh days around 72 i met stanley wow wow maybe yeah you maybe talk a little bit about playing with stanley with peter during that that was that was as you, as you say in the book i mean that was the you know he was at the the top of the top of the world i i i knew there. peter frampton was big of course who didn't but until you're you're there at the gig and you look out and whatever i mean i had no idea he he, he was i thought he was a a, a superstar but that but it was nothing compared to actually seeing he was huge and we were yeah. playing stadiums and stuff and it, stanley called and said um we need to we're going to change drummers Are you interested in doing the gig i said yeah <laughs> Are you kidding it was one of the biggest tours of all time and yeah. so they you know a lot has changed since those days uh we didn't have internet we didn't have youtube we didn't have Zoom like this. We didn't have anything. We had, yeah. you know, uh, special delivery mail, you know, and <laughs> telegrams, you know. And so, uh, and we're not that old. But um, so they mailed me a, a, a cassette of the set of the show. And I, I'm listening. To, I had two days to woodshed this thing. And I had to, uh, I, I spent, you know, 20 hours a day work woodshedding this stuff. And I showed up at the first gig was, uh, I'll never forget it. Freaked me out. 
Kansas City at Arrowhead Stadium. It was 52,000 people there. I'm like, Mike, and we didn't have rehearsal. We had sound check. Unbelievable. You know, and so, and, and I was supposed to do, uh, uh, like, I thought, it, if I remember, I was supposed to do two or three gigs with Peter because they were figuring out drummers and all that. But apparently, uh, thank God, it worked out. And Peter came to me and he says, you want to do the rest of the tour? I said, hell yeah, I want to do the rest of the tour. <laughs> and um, the funniest, uh, I, I, I bet since Stanley's listening, he'll remember this, that show at Arrowhead Stadium, We, I think it was Derringer and Steve, I know it was Steve Miller. Steve Miller, Derringer, I think, whatever it was. But I know Steve Miller was there because he had hired a $10,000 laser light show for because it was a big deal as I said. 52,000 people at Arrowhead Stadium. Well, <laughs> they said they the laser people came and all that. But what Steve Miller forgot to tell the laser company is that it was a daytime show. <laughs> so they spent $10,000 on these lasers and uh, they turned them on. You couldn't even see them, you know. <laughs> so I thought, oh, this tour is starting off just great. So. We had oh a great, gosh. it was a wonderful time, fond memories. I, I'll never forget that. We went to Japan and we went to um, Australia and uh, and um, it, it was just a, 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 such a good memory. And the band was just fantastic. And um, um, yeah, that I, I'll never forget that. Yeah. Bobby Mayo. What a, what a, I, oh, geez. The band was great, a great band. But, you know, these guys had done, you know, Peter Frampton comes alive. And they they were I didn't play on that. I I was after that. But Mm -hmm. that album was, you know, historic and uh, record breaking and historic. And um, they were such a good band. And that album was such a good live album. And I really miss um, uh, live vinyl because there was no pro tools. And there was this is what the show was, you know. And now everything's fixed and all that. And I, I get that, but you know, I, I don't care about a little out of tune or a little screw up here. Now I want to hear, I want humans. I want to hear humans jamming, you know? Me too. Yeah. I, I, I never that. minded that little, uh, you know, I don't care yeah. about that stuff, you know? Exactly. You know, I, I saw, um, I'm pretty sure I've talked to Stanley about this before and I'm, I'm, I think this is correct because that record was recorded uh, at the end of 75, the live Frampton record end of 75 in, in San Francisco, I'd seen them opening for the faces in Boston in October of 75. And it was the the last year that Ronnie Wood, um, and you mentioned Ronnie Wood in your, in your, uh, in your book as well, when you did the record. um, Oh, with Bill Wyman. With Bill Wyman. Yeah. Yeah. So the Ronnie had just joined the stones and he had one, commitment left with the faces his old band so they toured that october and this i'd heard of i'd heard of humble pie and i i, I was only 15 years old and i realized oh that's the guy that guitar player from humble pie right. peter frampton and i i remember it being like one of the only concerts that i had been to where i i loved the opening band as much as i loved the band i went to see you know what i mean often you sure go and sure and you're like just waiting for your favorite band to come on and the openers just uh yeah that's when i met that's when i met peter because uh joe walsh and barnes from our band we did a whole bunch of shows with humble pie okay and we we really didn't hang out or really but we knew each other yeah so when i 
when Stanley made the call and I showed up, Peter knew me. He knew, we knew each other, but we weren't really close friends yet, yet, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, he, he knew who I was and, um, it worked out really good. Thanks, Stanley. Yeah. Thanks, Stanley. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's great. That's a great, you know, I mean, there's so many connections like that, that you talk about in the book too, where, which it makes sense, you know, you, you, you were, you're playing and your personality and, and, but you know, I mean, you, you could be the greatest guy in the world, but if, if you don't have the goods as a musician, then you're not going to get the gigs that you've had, but all these things led to another. And it's just so cool to read about how you went from this to this, to this. And, and it was pretty seamless. I mean, from, like you say, from barnstorm till today i mean it's been seamless from one thing to the next to the next i i kind of have a theory about that do you ever see those contraptions where you drop a ball and it goes down a little ramp it hits something <laughs> yeah. and then it hits this thing and it does that and it swirls around and a balloon goes up and breaks and, you know what i mean <laughs> and hopefully it gets to the end well that's kind of like a rock and roll career in a way because you know you you, you jump off the cliff you know and, and you go down the hill and the first thing you hit, you hope that, that and then that makes it, 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 it you know, it, it inspires something else next. And then, you know, it's kind of like that, you know, and um, um, hopefully you don't drop off the tracks midway, you know, hopefully you keep going and the contraption keeps, you know, doing things, you know, but yeah. um, um, that, as you look back, that's kind of what happened, you know, being, it's it's one of the most profound statements. It is true, being in the right place at the right time. You know that a lot of musicians that's happening. I, I if people get gigs like that, they happen to be jamming with somebody, and somebody walks in, or you know whatever, or you're you know you're playing a concert, and and you didn't know that so and so was on the side of the stage, and he he dug what you were doing, and then you get a call. I don't know. You know, be your best every day. You know, every yeah. show, yeah. try to do your best. And uh, we've had shows where there were, you know, 10 people. We also played for 250,000 people in London. So both shows I tried to, you know, and everybody does. I know that. I'm not the sure. only, everybody's like that. You know, you give it your best because it's rock and roll. We love it. You know, it will give it all to, you know. And um, and I'll tell you what, that's, it's, it. you never know who's out there listening or watching. And now... I mean, again, remember back then we, we didn't have YouTube or any of this stuff. Right. So but now, even more importantly, you know, if somebody's looking around for a player and they hear that, oh, he's in so and so band, you know, they go to YouTube. Right. Mm-hmm. And you get to see the guy and listen to the guy. It's like an audition almost, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, and so it, it makes it quite a bit easier. But back in those days, you just had to be kind of, you know it's a crapshoot is like a lottery. You had to be kind of lucky and somebody showed up and listened to you. And also there was word of mouth, you know, people say, sure. Hey man, if you need a drummer, get this guy, or you need a guitar player. I know this great guy. And, you know, and, and um, musicians are not, you know, they help each other. I mean, like we were just talking about Stanley Sheldon, he helped me. And uh, I do the same thing for him or any other music. You know, we all try to help each other because we are a brotherhood, you know, and, um, and yeah, there's egos and there's jealousies and there's this and that and the other. But the bottom line is, come on, we're in the we're in the same club, you know. And um, we we try to help each other. I certainly do. And um, and um, 
you know, I, you just got to think that way. You get up in the morning and think that way. What could, what can I do to help myself and what could I do to help somebody else? You know, that's great. That's a, that's a great way to look at it. You know, that's a, that's a great attitude. And I, I, I agree. I feel the same way. I think we're all in this together, you know, and, and if we can help a friend, a brother along the way, then, then, uh, yeah. And, and yeah. Yeah. It's, and you never forget those people. You never right. forget those people, you know? Yeah. And what if you I, do, if you do, you're a jerk. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. Exactly. I was just going to say one of my bandmates and one of my oldest friends is, is watching right now. And, uh, Neil Porter, who's a, a massive fan of yours. And he's, he's, if you, if you look at this later, Joe, if you look at the, the, uh, Facebook thread of this, you'll see he's commenting a lot. He's a big fan of yours. He's seen you. Oh, cool. Hey buddy. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and he's somebody I've known since 1975, since we were wow. kids, you know, and, and those, yeah, those friendships, to me, they're, you know, they, they're, they last a lifetime, you know, they do. They really friends. do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, talking about lifelong friendships, it's so cool that I don't know if I mentioned this, you and I talked about it offline, but uh, talking about Joe's book, how cool is it to have Crosby, Stills and Nash write the foreword for your book? Um, that that's worth the price of the book right there. I think just to read what, what they wrote. It's uh, Stephen Stills, especially is, is pretty I loved what he. Uh, yeah, he's he's pretty good with a pen, man. He's he's he sure he's is, really yeah. smart. He's good, but that th those guys were very very sweet of them to do the forward of the book. And um, uh, Graham, he, he when I asked the three guys, Graham said, "Oh yeah, well, give me something to write on," you know. And he, he immediately jumped into it, right? And I said, "Stephen, did you get that done yet?" And he goes, oh, "I'll get to it tonight." And then, <laughs> and, then, and and he did eventually. You know, it was fine. And, and Crosby took the longest because, you know, I kept saying, David, I, I got to get this into the publisher, man. What's what's up? And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, man. Uh, I'll, I'll do it tonight. And <laughs> I had to knock on his door. Man. Hey, here's a pen and a pencil. Write the damn forward. <laughs> I'm going to stand in your room until you do yeah. it. <laughs> no, he was cool, though, man. He, he was cool. He's, yeah. All of them were very sweet, very, very humbling for them to do that. I tell you, man, it's, it's that, that says so much about you to have, you know, I, and I don't mean to, to, to make them seem holier than thou because they're certainly not that, but for them, hey, they're, to, they're, they're iconic stars, man. Yeah. No and, matter and how you look you, at it. Yeah, exactly. And how they, how they feel about you. It's just such an amazing reflection on that. And, and, uh, and one of my, I, I, I tell you this every time I talk to you, one of my absolute favorite songs in the world is Southern cross and, and your playing on that song is just, it, it, you know, I, I probably listen to that song. If not every day, at least five days a week, I have it in a bunch of my different playlists when I go running, you know, whether it's <clears throat> whatever different kind of mood I'm in and I'll hit this playlist, but that song is on every one of them. And, yeah. It, it came out really well. I, I'm so happy with that song. Um, it, it was such a uh, 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 pleasure to record that because it was like, I think it was like a cup, maybe one or two takes, or a couple, two, three takes. We, we had been playing it live, see? Yeah. And that's yeah. really important for bands out there, if you're listening. <laughs> if you're going to record a song, play it live for two reasons. One, you learn the song. 
And secondly, you kind of see what the audience is. You kind of see what the response is, both visually and did they applaud at the end? You know, if it's yeah. silent, maybe I think about writing another song, you know. But um, we've been playing it live. And so we all kind of knew the song. But that's sometimes that's a double edged sword because sometimes you know a song too well and you lose the magic. Well, yeah. we didn't on that song. We got in the studio and it, when you put the phones on, it sounded so good in the phones because we had been used to hearing it live, which is, you know, it doesn't always sound, you know, the hi-fi and, you know, sure. and so we put the phones on and it sounded so good that we, uh, we just got into it and, and the instrumentation on it was just perfect. And um, I was Joe Lala on uh, the late Joe Lala on percussion and um it was just uh, one of those brilliant Stephen Stills pieces, and the vocals were, you know, ridiculous. And um, but it it did, and, and it's really still to this day. It's fun to hear that. I love that was uh, uh, Stanley. Uh, I'm sorry, I can't. Um, anyway, uh, he, the engineer who mixed the snare sound on that song is so fat and big, and just the yeah. right amount of verb and. Um, <laughs> He, he really nailed it. You know, Stanley Johnson. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm Johnson, thinking of too yeah. many things. Stanley Johnson. And um, he um, he he made the, the snares on that song sound so good. And it's really important on that song for that backbeat to be the way it sounded. And yeah, and yeah. Um, it, it was just one of those ones that came, it was magical. You know, it just came out really great. And, and it was one of their biggest hits. It, it is magical. You know, I, I could spend the whole day talking about that because I've I've just like you did. I've broken it down in my head a million times, just like the, as you say that the backbeat and if, if the, if the snare was tuned too high, it wouldn't have filled it. Right. The way it fills it, you know, and that was a, know. that was a, a black beauty. It was a uh, six and a half black beauty, man. I still have the drum, by the way. I'm not getting rid of that drum. I'll, I'll bet. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's it was a, a six and a half black beauty and it just perfect snare for that song. And what you play in the hi hat that the, the, uh, 16th note 16th yeah 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 it's and it's there i mean any drummer watching this at home knows it to to play those 16th notes the way you do with the evenness i mean it's just it's obviously it's it's a human playing he said it sounds it's it's you but it sounds so perfect but not not like a machine do you know what i mean right i understand i understand well you know you're as good as the people you're playing with too. You know, I mean, I, Steven Stills on an acoustic guitar, forget about it. There's none better. He's like one of the best acoustic guitar players and his pocket is, he doesn't even need a drummer. His pocket is so good. And um, when you hear that in the phones, you know, um, and you got Joey Lala, I mean, it, it, it was a pleasure recording that song because it sounded so good in the phones. And um, uh, that's so important when you're making records that, that, you know, that, you're hearing something in the phones that you, you, you kind of forget that it's you playing. You're kind of end up listening. It's like, yeah, that's yeah. kind of dangerous sometimes, but it, it, when it sounds that good and you're, you're the one doing it, it you get inspired to, you know, and um, uh, that was just one of those uh, recordings. I, one of my probably top five recordings of favorites of mine that, oh. that I loved that came out so good and we were all so happy with it, you know? Oh, I'm so glad to hear that, Joe. I, I, I can't. Oh yeah, no, no, yeah. I love that uh, that song, and 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 what was really cool for I played with CSN off and on for about 35 years, and yeah. um, uh, we recorded that I think in '81, 
And so for a good 25 years, we got to play that every night. And, and I had just as much fun every night for 25 years as I did when we recorded. Because it was like, when you're looking at your set list, it's like, all right, Southern Cross. Because it's such a fun pocket to play. Yeah. And the guys did it so well. Um, uh, we played it for years and years. And uh, it always, obviously, went over well because it was a big hit. But, sure. but um, yeah, I love playing that song. So can I just ask, so you, it, it, was it written on the road? Then did Stephen write it while you guys were on tour? Initially? I don't remember really when he wrote it. Probably, you know, he'd always had a, an acoustic in his hotel room and he yeah. probably messed around with that. I, I really don't know the origin of when it was written and all that, but, but he did show it to us at a sound check one day, one, one sound check some time ago. And uh, we, we said, oh, that's really a cool song. And then we start and, and, and the next sound check, we played it again and all that. And we practiced it at sound checks to the point where, okay, guys, you want to do it live tonight? And we said, yeah, let's do it live. And, and see, like I was saying earlier, when you're deciding what to put on a record, we played it that night. Nobody had ever heard it. And we yeah. said, we're going to do a new song. I got to tell you, playing in rock and roll bands all my life, that's very dangerous when you say to the crowd, now it it's they love it, you know they love it. We're yeah. gonna, hey, we're gonna do a song we've never done before. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it better be damn good. Or you're yeah. gonna get booed, man. <laughs> and so, you know, that's really it's a double edged sword, you know. And uh, so Stephen said, uh, we've been messing with this. We're gonna try a new song tonight, and and the pe people responded very positively, you know, positive, and yeah. um, and it sounded so good they they roared. So Stephen, I remember he turned around to the whole band and he gives us thumbs thumbs up and he said, "That's going on the record." Fantastic. And so um, it was cool. It was a good yeah. memory on that song. I was just going to say, just just to, exactly to your point that when when it when it's a band like CSN that has a million hits anyway, it's not like you know the audiences they want to hear the songs. Yeah, they, they don't want to hear. You're right. They don't yeah, want to hear so, new stuff. Yeah, that's you a know. tribute to how great the song was. That that it. Yeah it went over so well and 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 was and one last question it probably wasn't much longer after that that you recorded it and did it change much from no from, no it no. was exactly yeah that was okay. it yeah we was it. it was like we rehearsed it and played it live probably a month two two months yeah. maybe and when we got off that tour we jumped in to do daylight again the album daylight again yeah. and uh but that's the only song from daylight again that we were doing live pre-recording before see, we recorded. Yeah. So it just, you know, cause it's a great way to do it because you, you know, you, you iron out all the wrinkles, you make some little changes in the arrangement. We, they made a few changes in the arrangement, but by the time you're done with the tour, it's, you got the arrangement, you got all the parts are inked in and you're ready to go. So again, like I said, that's, that's good and bad. It could be bad because you might, have played it so much be, that you lose the magic when you record it and then you're oh yeah. shit <laughs> you know so yeah, yeah. but but no that didn't happen you know yeah. it was like the magic's there yeah magic was there <clears throat> man yeah well and 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 it, it's and it, you just felt the 16th note that just when when just instinctively you felt that's that's the feel i've got it well like the reason i did that was when Stephen would go da 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 right yeah. there was these big holes and stuff not that you'd fill it up with anything, but just a little hi-hat in there was yeah. enough.
to keep the you know keep the energy going. So there was these big holes, and just to keep the the time in there without being you know noticeable, just that it's there. Yeah. And that everybody liked that, so we kept it. You know, epic. It's all you drummers at home. If you don't have that song, download it at the end of this and listen to it because it's it's a lesson. It's just it's a it's a lesson in in music and playing, uh, and listening, create you know creating. It's everything. It's the the whole shoot and match. Well, it it, it was. It was fun to record and, and, and was fun all the years we played it. That's great. Well, another song I, I, I don't, I know we're getting close to, uh, wow, time goes by quick. We could talk I, for two days, John. I know we could. We could. So be careful what you wish for because I'll. Oh, come <laughs> on, man. I'll put the coffee on. <laughs> this, uh, you know, I, I, there's so many. I just, I'm looking at the, the notes that I made. Um, I want to talk about life's been good, but I have a, I have a quick question probably from that same era, from that same time period, late seventies, I think life's been good was 78. Is that when that came out? Does that seem? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I graduated high school that year and I feel like that was on the radio nonstop. But before we get to that, um, the song in the city, Joe's song in the city, right. Which the Eagles recorded in on, uh, the long run, the wrong the 79, the long run, right? Yeah. Now, did he do a different alternate version for the warriors movie? Yes. And are yes. you on that song? Yes, I did okay. record that. And, uh, I don't remember when that was, when, whenever they released the warriors, that's when we did it. It was before that, of course, probably yeah. 76 or something. Was that 77? Okay, I don't know. So. Okay. So, somewhere in there before 79 anyway. But, um, um, uh, it was for the the movie the warriors and yeah, uh yeah. and we got contracted to do it to, joe wrote a song uh, he wrote it with one of the directors or something anyway um and we recorded that and um uh the the cut we did uh, it was pretty cool uh it, actually it was me uh, double drums we used it was me and russ kunkel oh, and yeah. uh yeah and then we had the two picaro brothers on bass and keyboards and uh, and then Joe, yep. and uh, I, the other writer was Barry somebody. And excuse me, I can't remember his name. But Barry had something to do with the movie. But he was the other writer on it. Anyway, and it was really cool. The only thing is, um, uh, they just trashed the mix because I'm sorry, movie people should not always yeah. be the guys that mix stuff. Yeah, you know they don't do that anymore of course you know but this was a long time ago and i don't know maybe it was budget restrictions i don't know what it was but somebody at the movie people mixed it and it was not a good mix so but it was always a great song so you know henley loved it and he wanted to so they did it on the long long run album yeah. and then uh and, and 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 joe loved what we did with the warriors and but he hated the mix and Joe obviously loved what the Eagles did, but he thought it could be a little rougher version yet, right? So in 2012, we recorded it again, but it was just, yeah, it was it was me and Joe and uh, Willie Weeks on bass. And because Willie was there because we had uh, redone a few things and Willie was on the, the uh, Smoker, I'm not, sorry. He was on the... Um, on life's been good and that, that album yeah, anyway yeah. but seriously folks and so 
uh, me, Joe, Willie Weeks, and I think I think that was all. And, and I did keyboards. Anyway, uh, we recorded again, and it, that version is going to come out soon. And that is a smoking version because this is not as refined as the Eagles did, which was a beautiful version. But this is a little bit more rock rock and roll. And this is a little bit more the way we play it live, not necessarily the way the Eagles did it. Yeah, Their version yeah. was killer. But um, Joe always wanted that one more time, one more chance to do it. So oh, we, we cut it again. And it'll be out one of these days soon. Great. Well, I, I'll, I'll grab it. You know, I'm so I, I couldn't find for the life of me, Joe, I looked on the Internet. to I'm thinking I saw that movie at the movie theater and I remember that song and I loved it. And I remember when the Eagles record came out, it sounded different than what I remembered it being. You know, right. we musicians, drummers, we're a little sure. nuts like that. And I just remember thinking, and then I started thinking about you more recently thinking, I wonder if that was Joe that did the movie version, which now I know it was you. And you just, you filled in a lot of missing parts in my, <laughs> in my mind here as to, you know, why, yeah, it, why it just, was so different. There'll be a third version out soon. <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah. I, and I, I do remember that, um, that the, the movie version was a, a more of a edgier kind of version still had yeah the slide and it was it, end credits of the movie and um yeah. it was okay it just that we weren't crazy the way it sounded because you know we had heard it back in the control room and it was pretty damn good yeah and yeah. and when it comes out in the movie it's like oh man turn it up or something i don't know more guitars i don't know more bass drum i don't know it was something <laughs> that was like it was not what we had remembered here you know yeah yeah but when you turn over the masters to movie people, you never know what you're going to get. Late now, now is a whole different world. The yeah. the, the way things the movies soundtracks are killer, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they 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 certainly spend the money, as you say, and they they get the right. Oh yeah, to, to... it's way high tech now. So yeah, yeah. Well, can you talk, Joe? Can you talk a little bit about uh, the recording of you know the whole record's fantastic, but life's been good and and there's so many moving parts to that song. It's an like epic. Life's been epic good. Song. Um, what a great, huh, that's one of Joe's, you know, flagship songs. And um, uh, we, we were recording down in Florida and we were recording uh, his album, but seriously folks. And, and he brought in four songs that were just like little bits and pieces. And one was kind of a Rolling Stone, da 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 right? And we said, oh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's a nice tune. He didn't finish it yet. He said, we'll work on that. So we cut a little of that. And then he had this idea thing or something. He he had that 12-string, and and he said, I want to develop that into something. He said, well, we'll mess with that. That's cool. And then he had this, he loves reggae. Joe loves reggae. So he had this, right? And so we go, oh, this is fun. This is cool. And so we cut a little of that. And then and then he had this uh, sequencer idea that me and him had been working on that yeah, uh, 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 that weird se sequencer. So we cut all this stuff and 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 um, uh, and we didn't, none of it was finished. It was just four pieces of you know ideas and jamming and stuff like that. And so and there was no lyrics done or anything, nothing was done. So it was like Friday and Simzik sent us home and back to the hotel. And he said, I'll see you all on Monday. And we got there on Monday and around noon and, and Bill Simzik said, sit down in the control room. He said, sit down. 
And he put together Life's Been Good, the whole piece. And it was brilliantly edited to where it actually sounds like that's the way we, we recorded it. Right. And yeah. he, we had no, that was four separate things and it turned it and it was, it, you, you'd never know that that was four different pieces no. recorded separately. And, and that it, it just, it turned in and, and it all makes sense now, especially when you play it live, it's like, Oh yeah, this is a great song he wrote, but, and he did write it, but it, it was in, you know, skeletal form, you know, anyway, but a lot of people don't realize it's, it's such a, a interesting introduction to that song in the intro, right? Yeah. When, when we, when we cut it, uh, Joe told me, he says, um, give me some time. Give me some, give me a, a beat. Give me some time. And I said, okay. So I went, doom, boom, right. Just a, a, right. Doom, yeah. Boom, and it was like, doom, bah, doom, doom, bah, doom, doom, bah, right. And, and, da, and then, da, 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 right. So, but he said, let's go. I want to do this. So I said, so I started and, and, and Bill Semzik, he goes, Oh shoot. And he hit record. Right. So, uh, when we're done, we cut it. It sounded great, the intro stuff. And so we walked into the control room and Bill's gone like, guys, I'm sorry, man. I said, he said, I can, I can punch in a bass drum. And I'm sorry, man. He said, you guys didn't give me any signal. You just started playing. I hit record as quick as I could. And so what it was, was when we hit, he had play, you heard this, you, you heard snare because he missed yeah. the foot. Yeah. Right. So it goes back. Doom, 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 doom. So, and Bill said, "No, I'll fix it, man." Because it was doom, bah, doom, yeah. doom, doom, right? And we're like, "No, don't touch it." It's, it's so great. great. We love it. It was one of those just flukes, man. That that you know, wow. like like it was. That's a magical moment because oh. we didn't. It wasn't that we were brilliant or anything. We didn't. We didn't do that. We we played it the other way, right? And those kind of moments, man, you cannot, those are, those are like cherished. You don't, you don't mess with those. Those are sacred. Yeah. And, and, um, and to this day, I love, you know, big arena going back. Doom, doom, doom. It's like, yeah. but, and, and, and some of the musicians in the band, sometimes they go, Hey Joe, can you count that off first? And I go, no, I'm not going to count it off. It'll <laughs> screw me up. <laughs> they go, give me a one. But I could no, no, I can't do that. I said, yeah, I have no. to play it like I've heard it for 40 years. Right. And so it was, um, I loved that story because it was so real that that's the way it went down. It was one of those uh, brilliant mistakes, you know, and, and we didn't make a mistake. And really, Bill didn't make a mistake. He wasn't ready. He hit record. And I just, just think it was so cool. And the idea of him adding a bass drum to that was like, no, 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 no. no You're not no. going to do that. No, leave it alone. That, you know, his first, uh -huh. his, first, his first instinct was, you know, let me add a bass drum so that yeah, I can Yeah, yeah, I'll make fix it. it. Yeah. I can fix this. Yeah. Easy to, I'll put a bass drum on. It's the only thing that played. And and, and we heard it with the snare opening. And, we, and, and it kind of threw you for a second. But then when the guitar came in with that... Like, don't touch it. It's perfect. And like I said, for 40 years and in, in, in the last show I did with Joe, which was not long ago, um, I still to this day, when I look at the set list, I went, all right, <laughs> because yeah. I get to play the first hit on it. And it's louder than heck in the place. Right. And it, it's so fun, you know, oh, and it, it wouldn't work. It wouldn't sound the same if I had a 
boom at the beginning. Right. It just wouldn't be the same. Too stock. It'd be what too a great stock. story. I, I had no idea. And that, that, you know, when I'd hear that in the radio right from the beginning, I always thought, what a funky intro. You know, it's just, it, it just, it's so, yeah. As a drummer, it's just, it's the opposite of what you'd expect. It's, well, you know, I'd like to say a- that. I- I was so brilliant to come up with that intro, <laughs> but I was not. <laughs> that was a mistake. <laughs> oh man! Well, well, Bill certainly he more than made up for it with his brilliant oh. editing and and uh, you know uh, production. I mean, it's just amazing. That song it's is killer. Yeah, and then when you guys when you so when you play it live, you play it like the record. You you just have oh, learned yeah. all those. Yeah, it's like a suite. It's just like all those different. Yeah. It's it's yeah. great. And um, um, we don't use with Joe, we don't use a hard drive like a lot of acts. You know, they have a lot of background stuff. and all that. We don't do that at all. The only one time uh, uh, on Joe's shows that we use any kind of a, a, a computer or a playback or whatever, a sequencer is that song on that middle part. Because that, and we use the same one that we had on the record. We, you know, so it's it's and 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 that's no big deal because we play along yeah, to it. But um, that's cool. And um, I know we're we're uh, well, a couple more minutes. I, I wanted to ask you too, just a, a kind of a a, a drum a drum geek uh, gear question. A lot of the pictures in in your book, you're playing a couple of different Ludwig kits. There's that. Uh, What's the red? The psychedelic psychedelic red. Yes, yeah, psychedelic. Did you play that kit on most of those records? Is that the same kit you used for most of Joe's? Yes, I played yeah. that kit. That was the Rocky Mountain Way kit. It's also the Life's Been Good kit. Um, and um, let's see. Yeah, um, that was not the kit though on um, Southern Cross. Right. That, but that was uh, that was another Ludwig kit though. But um, um, uh, but yes, uh, the psychedelic red. I eventually, I, I, I should have never gotten rid of it. I got rid of that kit because um, everybody used to go, "That's ugly," <laughs> you know, and it's like, "Ooh, get a, get a natural wood or a sparkle or something," you know. And I went, "Well, it's cool." And he goes, "No, that's ugly." So I got rid of the drum set. I, I'd love to have that drum set back again. Now, if you go on, you know, some of the sites and try to find one, they're like, you know, five grand for. <laughs> I know that's like, isn't that crazy? That particular finish is like, I know crazy money. Very rare, very rare. And I I didn't want to, I'm glad you, I was going to ask you if you still had it. Cause cause no, I I got, I got, I got guilted into getting rid of it. They said, don't show up with that kid on the next tour. I went, okay. All right. Oh man. Well, I wish I had that kid. It was a great sounding kid. Yeah, it really was. I mean, I mean, it's you know Ludwig drums and and uh, you know that was that was the sound of that time and it, and it's it's it, well it's forever recorded. It's forever documented. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was just gonna say maybe it'll find its way back to you. Hopefully through through, through somebody. I'll pay five thousand dollars to get it back. But they'll probably <laughs> want ten. Then I will have to turn it down. <laughs> no, if anybody's watching this and they know where it is, yeah. Call me up. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's do Joe a favor. It may not even be in existence anymore. I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's that's all right though. And you, yeah, I know you're playing. You've been playing DW for for some time now, right? I've been with DW for twenty years now. Great. Yeah, since nine uh, nineteen no, two thousand two thousand. Yeah. I started with so great guys. Good. 
Well, you got lots of lots of people um, commenting here. Winston Watson, uh, I think I'm guessing he was with Bob Dylan at the time. He said we did a show with CNN, CSN, and Joe was on drums. Phoenix, yeah, Phoenix. It was a. I remember that it was a yeah. private. It was a private party or a private. Yeah. Uh, you know, in, 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 you know, what do you call them? Um, industrial thing. Yeah, like a corporate. Yeah, corporate yeah. industrial thing. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, Joe, this has been so great, man. I, I, um, I could go on and on and on and maybe, you know, I, I, I'd love to do this again in the future. Anytime part, part two, we'll do part two. (laughs) That'd be great. That'd be great. We'll, we'll talk about a million other things we could talk about that we didn't get to today. So, um, but thank you so much for doing this. Thanks to everybody who's tuned in and watched us today. I hope you guys enjoyed this half as much as I did, because this has been so much fun for me. And I, and I learned a lot today. So. Um, well, I appreciate it, John. And I, I, I was really looking forward to this and it was so fun. And anytime you want to talk, I'm, I'm here, man. Thanks brother. Thank you so much. And Hey, there's Marty Farrar. Marty just jumped on. He's, Marty. He's been watching. <laughs> Marty, your ears. I hope you, you felt your ears burning earlier.